Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm Nikki Druce. And I'm Cheryl Hall. And this is Killers, Cults and Queens. The podcast where we're going to learn all about the spookiest, scariest and downright weirdest corners of the world. In this episode, we're looking into one of the strangest mysteries in history. It's the lost colony of Roanoke. <laughs> Good to see you, my friends. How's it going? <laughs> my little puss. Some may use the words colossal arsehole. <laughs> I'm going to start describing people as that. Stop playing games. That's enough. <laughs> Game, game's out. Are you ready? Nikki, feed me, feed me, baby. Welcome to Killers, Cults, and Queens, the show where we take you on a journey into the darkest corners of the world. Today we'll be looking into the mysterious disappearance of the Roanoke colony. But first, how are you doing? Do you know what? I'm good. I'm good. I think you've always got to leave things in the past and stick with the present and look to the future. Am I right? Yeah, I think so. But Nikki, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I uh, couldn't sleep after this one, so I went shopping on Amazon. Oh. And I decided to cheer myself up by buying myself... A left shark costume. You were joking. I did it. <laughs> I am obsessed. I look. We were lit off ca- off camera. Off camera. We're we're bloody audio. Um, off off microphone. We were just talking about Katy Perry, and we really want to go see the show in Vegas. Yeah, but I would now you're telling me. Yeah, I I bit the bullet and bought one. It had been sitting in my cart for ages. 
and I was having a slightly down day and I thought, you know what will make me happy? Buying that bloody left shark costume. So I did. <laughs> hey, look, when I was in a lockdown and I was doing digital shows, I was thinking, how can I be a silly tit in a wig performing to this green dot? And what would I do? Each show, I would go onto Amazon and I would buy one of those ridiculous outfits that's like a ketchup bottle. Yeah. One time I was an egg. Be a crayon. Exactly. It was. And then one time I was doing a complete Gaga live show. And um, for the Q&A section, I decided I couldn't wear a meat dress. So I got a rasher of bacon costume. <laughs> oh, classic. So, uh, yeah. And that's the... So I had to get rid of the egg because I ripped it. Oh. And I lost the ketchup in, when we moved house. But the rasher of bacon is actually hung up in amongst my expensive drag costumes. <laughs> a £10 rasher of bacon costume. So <laughs> I may actually add left shark costume to the to the roster. You should definitely do it. The The price I paid for it, I thought it was not going to be that fantastic. And then when it arrived, it was better than I could have dreamed. <laughs> it's amazing. I've only tried it on, on my own so far. <laughs> I think the next episode... You're going to have to tease me and bring it in. I'm going to have to be left shark, aren't I? Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine that on the tube? I'll definitely get a seat. Oh, yeah. I think you'd clear the carriage. Yeah. (laughs) Either that or it would end up really rammed. (laughs) They said, we've got a celebrity in our midst. Left shark is on. (laughs) Oh, look, it's left shark. (laughs) On the tubes. (laughs) The platy tubes. The platy tubes. (laughs) Okay, so what do you know about the Roanoke colony? So the only thing I know about Roanoke is through a little TV show called American Horror Story. Now, controversially, lots of fans of American Horror Story will say that Roanoke was the worst season. I'm not going to divulge my views on this season, but let's just say it definitely took a bit of a turn. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm I'm going into this with a very open mind because I don't think it's anything to do with the story that American Horror Story portrayed. Um, I've personally not seen the American Horror Story series. I need to catch up. I only ever got to what what was the the one with the clown carnival or whatever it was freak called? show. Freak that was show. four. Freak that was show. four. And this was six. Yeah. So you missed the best season with Gaga in it, which was actually famously. Yes. No, I did start watching it, and then I never came back to it because I. Uh, uh, mm, yeah, you're busy. You're it busy. It also didn't grab me as well. Well, Roanoke was a bit strange because it starts off as this story of these people that lived in this house in the middle of the countryside that had, like, weird things going on. And then halfway through the season, it turned into, well, that was actually a true crime TV show yeah, that was played by actors. And then they built a reality TV show where they put the actors and the real-life people into this one house and then all the shit that went down actually happened mm. again so uh i liked that aspect but yeah in terms of there wasn't that much to the scenes i was gonna say was there much history no it, traveling on boats they they talked about like ooky spooky witches in the past okay which led to the situations that happened but and famously, Gaga did play one of the ooky spooky witches, but she couldn't commit to a full season because she was in the middle of recording Ooh, an album. I see. Yeah, she was recording the Joanna era. 
Oh, that time. Yeah, so okay. if you watch the uh, Five Foot Two documentary on Netflix. Yes, which I've seen. It, there's actually clips of her uh, on set because she had, she had to play this really thick German accent. Oh, I remember now. And yeah. Some swamp witch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. She, she was, looked really cool in it, though. She didn't look like herself at no, all. No, not at is, all. Look, I want to get into acting big time because a lot of people only take me for the drag that I do. Yeah. Whereas my entire life I have done acting and theatre and whatnot. So I'd love to dip my toes back into that and show that there are many facets and sides to me. I would love to see you on the West End playing something completely different. From what you're known for. Well, I I actually did the West End last Christmas. Did you? Yeah, we did a drag um, panto of (gasps) Dick Whittington and I played Dick. (laughs) (laughs) And um, in rehearsals, I came straight off of a tour, came straight into rehearsals, obviously had gone over my script and somehow came up with the character of Dick. Like, obviously, people know Dick Whittington as being like this obnoxious self-absorbed like <laughs> yeah what's going on just huh? some thigh slapping there <laughs> yeah so i everybody thought i was gonna come out and be like hello davis and i was like <laughs> good to see you my friends how's it going <laughs> my little puss <laughs> oh i want to i want to have seen that well i'm sad i didn't maybe that maybe there's some things in the pipeline oh yes please so uh watch this or listen to this space it's time to get your thinking cap on because we've got a mystery to solve. Oh my God, where's Scooby-Doo when you need him? The year is 1590 and James White, an English colonial explorer and cartographer, is finally sailing across the Atlantic Ocean to reunite with his family. He last saw his family in 1587 when he had travelled the 3,795 miles alongside 120 volunteers to try and put down roots in a far-off and mysterious land called America. We're coming that far back. The colonists had a rocky start in the New World, and soon after they'd settled in, it was clear they were going to need some more supplies. Food, tools, and more importantly, more people. And someone had to go and get those things. Leader James White took on that mission, A mission that would take him three whole years to accomplish. But at last, he would see his family again. Or so he thought. Arriving back at base camp in Roanoke in 1590, James was shocked to find that his family and community had vanished without a trace. No people, no tools, no signs of life at all. Apart from one word carved into a tree. Croatoan. What did it mean, and would the lost colony of Roanoke ever be found alive again? Let's find out. <laughs> Croatoan. It sounds like a ooky spooky witchy spell. Croatoan. I'm going to be really, really obscure here. I think aliens were involved. Oh. <laughs> It's not one of the theories, but, you know, maybe. When there's a disappearance with no trace or no nothing, I think they just get zapped up by the aliens. An abduction. Yes. So it's the 1580s and Queen Elizabeth I is keen to colonise as much of the world as humanly possible. Good old Lizzie. The more of the world you owned, the more power you had, and colonialism, in all its horribleness, was thriving. Top of her list to colonise is the New World, known to you and me as America. She has all her best men tasked to steal the land, 
Sir Humphrey Gilbert had claimed St John's in Newfoundland in North America in 1583, and now it was up to Sir Walter Raleigh, a soldier and explorer, and one of Queen Elizabeth's favourite courtiers, to step up to the plate, colonising as much of Newfoundland as he possibly could. Not to worry about the people that lived there or anything, they just went in and stole it. Yeah, look, this this obviously doesn't sit well with us, because... uh... (laughs) You're stealing land that belongs to other people. It ain't cute. It ain't nice. And understandably, it didn't go without its problems. Walter's charter to colonise his little bit of the New World was issued on the 25th of March, 1584. But there was a twist. He had a deadline. He was to establish his colony in just seven years or lose his right to that little bit of land forever. His charter stated that he was to discover, search, find out and view such remote heathen and barbarous lands, countries and territories. To have, hold, occupy and enjoy. Interesting. That sounds like a lot to do. (laughs) Yeah, it does, doesn't it? It's quite a lot, but it's also quite vague. I don't deal well with long lists. If you send me into Tesco's with a shopping list, you have to do it by aisle by aisle. Otherwise, I will go scatty brain and not be able to accomplish the list yeah i can remember three things and three things only and that's it any more than that you ain't getting what's left on the list i mean at the end of the day the only thing that i remember from that list that you just read out was enjoy (laughs) was that even part of it yes it was (laughs) see i told you any more than three and i can't do it (laughs) look it's the power of three the power of three it was meant to be exactly The other twist in this challenge was that Walter wasn't actually given permission to leave Queen Elizabeth's side, being her favourite courtier and all, which meant that instead of sailing to America himself to oversee this new colony, he would have to delegate the mission to his associates and oversee everything from London. Imagine the amount of time letters took to send then, too. Think of the carrier pigeons. I know, exactly. It's a long way to fly. So Walter started planning and sent a large party of his best men over the Atlantic in 1585 and he also elected a governor to run the camp, a man by the name of Ralph Lane. Now, Ralph was a character. Some may use the words colossal arsehole, as he was not the nicest of people. <laughs> I'm going to start describing people as that. Yeah, you colossal arsehole. Do you know what? <laughs> you're not just an arsehole, you're a colossal arsehole. <laughs> oh, Ralphie. He was not the nicest of people. He was reported to be vain, boastful and fiery-tempered. By the time the 107 or so first colonists arrived in the east coast of America, Ralph had already fallen out big time with the other big shots that Walter had sent to help establish the colony, namely Walter's cousin, Sir Richard Granville. It seems they'd not been in Roanoke five minutes before a huge fight broke out between the two of them, and Richard literally turned around and sailed back to England, claiming he'd be back with men and supplies. He wouldn't. That was it. He was off. It's a get that far exit door, I'm off. Stop playing games. That's enough of games. Games out. So Ralph struggled on, building the first settlement at Roanoke. Now, as we can imagine, the residents of Roanoke were not a huge fan of the colonists coming over and claiming their land. So they fought back. And surprise, surprise, Ralph... (laughs) And surprise, surprise, Ralph didn't take this well and reportedly kidnapped members of the local tribe and held them for ransom whenever he wanted something from them. He allegedly also kidnapped the children of the locals and used them for slave labour to build the new settlement. So just generally horrible behaviour all round from Ralph. This went on for months until things came to a head 
when Ralph decided he would murder the king of the local Secatan tribe, Wingina, in a foolish attempt to stop the locals rising up against the colonists. This obviously didn't work, and things got so bad that Sir Francis Drake, a British admiral, sailed all the way from England to come and rescue the settlers, taking them back to the UK, not even a year after they arrived. And obviously, to put this in a little bit of perspective, the journey there takes months. Well, if you think a flight these days to America, East Coast, you're looking at about eight hours. Yeah. Seven, eight hours. Imagine doing that on an old rickety 1500 ship. Yeah, you're talking a long time and not a lot of food and a lot of people crammed into one space. It's not going to be the most fun thing in the world. The first attempt to colonise Roanoke had gone horribly wrong with the settlers fleeing from a problem of their own making and heading back to merry old England after less than 365 days. But that wouldn't be the last time that Roanoke saw of the colonists. Who would be crazy enough to try again, you ask? Enter stage right, John White. I'm rhyming again. I'm rhyming again. Riddles and rhymes. Yep. Despite the disaster of the last settlement attempt, Sir Walter Raleigh was still very much within his seven-year contract and was persuaded to try again, this time under the governorship of John White. John White was an English colonial governor, explorer, artist and cartographer. He actually sailed with Sir Richard Granville, Walter's cousin, on the first attempt to colonise Roanoke and was thus handpicked by Walter to lead the second expedition because he seemingly was a big fan of long sailing trips. However, this expedition was different. This time, instead of just tools and men, women and children were also shipped to the New World. Is this the Titanic? Women and children only? Mm, Not quite. There are also some awful men. Oh, yeah, true. (laughs) From this band of settlers, the goal was to create a whole new self-sustaining community, one that would serve as a jumping-off point for the rest of the country. John managed to convince 113 men, women and children, mostly middle-class Londoners, to join him on his voyage, including his pregnant daughter Eleanor and her new husband, Ananias Dare. And off they went. Which is quite a name, Ananias. Please welcome to the stage, Ananias. <laughs> it's a bit like at the start of uh, Wigfield Saturday night. Na-na-na-na-na. Oh, it totally is. <laughs> Since Ralph had royally fucked it for everyone at Roanoke by killing the leader, Wingina, they were now aiming at nearby Chesapeake Bay, where they'd yet to make any enemies. So on the 8th of May 1587, over 100 colonists left England with food and supplies and a fleet of boats that included the flagship Lion, a regular big ship, and two smaller sailboats to create their flotilla, a la Pirates of the Caribbean, which incidentally is my second favourite ride at Disneyland. Wow. I'm not sure how I feel about this already. If one, If the first attempt goes tits up why would you why would you attempt a second because they want to be there and they want to colonize the world that's what the plan is regardless of what happens to everybody on the in the way so they really said at first you don't succeed (laughs) try 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 again yeah okay well props to them for doing it on the journey over one of the smaller boats ran into rough weather and abandoned its journey But a few weeks later, on the 22nd of June, the flagship Lion and the remaining smaller boat arrived at Croatoan Island, a little way away from Roanoke. John had planned to take 40 of the men from the flagship onto the smaller boat and then sail to Roanoke, where he'd pick up 15 men that had been left there by old Sir Richard Glenville. However, things didn't exactly 
go to plan. Shock. There was mutiny afoot. The captain of the flagship, Simon Fernando, who is also sometimes referred to as Simon Ferdinando, decided he didn't want to go to Chesapeake Bay. And according to White's later accounts, it was because he was more interested in piracy. And according to John, Simon ordered all of the colonists onto the smaller boat and sent them to Roanoke. The 15 men who had been left there previously were nowhere to be found. The fort that had been built by them was also completely dismantled. The houses stood completely empty and were totally overgrown, covered in melon plants, suggesting they'd been gone quite some time. However, on closer inspection, the colonists found a skeleton, which may have just belonged to one of Richard Glenville's men. And what was worse, Simon Fernando refused to let anyone back on the boats, stating that they'd fare better if they stayed in Roanoke for the summer. However, what's more likely is that as John knew Roanoke, he was comfortable there and decided it would be better for everyone else involved. Simon apparently stayed on the boat until he left a few weeks later and decided he'd be better off leaving everyone to it. And he was right. John was still hell-bent on making things work and made the settlers eat fruit, which made them ill, not the melons, which would have been a good idea, and he also led them to a pond to drink but it only held stagnant water. And so everyone got ill. Well done, John. Think of the salmonella. Oh, I know. And also to just keep on trying to make it work. It's just... People dying in the corner going, please, please take us back. Oh, you'll be fine. Yeah. It's lovely here. Look at the sun. Look at the lovely stagnant water you've got to drink. Oh, look at the algae. It's oh, good for you. Tasty, tasty. You, nah. Look, people try and push through and persevere to make a situation worse. Uh, work. It only makes it worse. Yeah. It's the sunk cost fallacy, isn't it? It's when you try and make something that you've put time and effort into work, but it's not going to work and you'd be better off just chucking it in the bin and starting again. Just get a divorce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So after the first few weeks of seemingly having the squits, the settlers got to work trying to put the community back together. They started to rebuild the fort, they cleared the houses of melons, and they really tried to make this place their new home. Bless them. But not soon after, things started to go even more pear-shaped when one colonist was killed literally days after arriving while searching alone for crabs on the shore. But the colonists weren't giving up that easy. John even tried to make friends with the local tribes, hosting meetings with the Algonquian people. He met with Chief Manteo, who told him that Richard's 15 men, who had been left behind, had pretty much been killed by the Secatan, Aquascogoc, and Dazamongpoke warriors. Wow. Basically, everyone that Ralph Lane had pissed off the last time they were there. And on the 18th of August, something truly historic happened. Remember I said that John's daughter, Eleanor, was pregnant? Yes. Well, she gave birth to the first baby born to English parents on US soil. It was written that the baby was happy and healthy and was christened there the Sunday following. And because this child was the first Christian born in Virginia, guess what they called her? Virgin. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Virgin Aya. Virginia. Let's just hold on to that nice moment because everything from here on out is not so nice. Nikki, you're not surprising me with this potty now. It's always going to take a slippery... We start off nice. And, and then, then we descend into hell. A sausage and pepperoni pizza descending into hell. 
John was hell-bent on revenge for the 15 men that the local tribes had killed, and so one August morning, he decided to lead a dawn attack on the Dazamongponk tribe. John and his men stormed their village in the early morning, just as the sun was rising, but disaster struck when the men attacked the wrong target. They pounced on a group of men from the friendly native tribe, killing one and wounding the others. After this hugely blunderingly English thing to do, they tried to be very British about it and tried to apologise their way out of the situation. (laughs) But understandably, that didn't work. This monumental fuck-up marked the beginning of the end of any good relationship between the colonists and the natives. Do you know what I'm envisioning right now? It's a Saturday night. You've ordered a pint and an espresso martini in Yates. Your rivals from the village across from you walk in and you start having a turf war in the middle of Yates. You get thrown out by the bouncers, all of you are ejected, and then you go, so sorry about that, mate. That's basically what happened. They were like, ah, oh. (laughs) Charge, no. I shouldn't have done that. I should not have done that. (laughs) Wow, okay. So yeah, they've royally fucked it for everybody now. Yes, entirely. Why can't we just have nice, nice, beautiful times? I was going to say, why can't we have nice things? But it wasn't theirs to start with, so I can't even say that. Rising tensions between the locals and the settlers weren't the only problem. It was only a few months into the expedition and supplies were running low. Because the colony had been forced to stay in Roanoke and not Chesapeake Bay, where they were supposed to go, supply ships from England were headed to an empty village with no idea that everyone was at Roanoke. Excellent work, John. (laughs) I'm sorry. You're on a disciplinary, John. I know. That's it. One more offence and he's out. There was only one thing for it. John, realising his huge error, would have to return to England for more supplies. He really, really didn't want to go and was scared about what might happen to the community in his absence. But they kept pressing him as things got increasingly dire and eventually he agreed. But the journey seemed doomed from the off. John took a few men and the smaller boat to go home. But there were problems with the anchor. It was completely stuck. In their attempt to dislodge it, many men were injured badly. Then, when they were finally on their way, there was a massive storm. The journey was so long and treacherous that many of the crew died of scurvy. And when they did get back to the UK, instead of arriving in Southampton, they found themselves in Smerwick in the west of Ireland. Meaning that John would have to abandon ship and go back cross-country to get back to England. In what was a huge insult to injury, John got back to England smack bang in the middle of the Spanish Armada. This meant that all boats were kept on shore just in case they were needed to help fight back. John was stuck in England and his family were 3,795 miles away in Roanoke, with waning supplies and neighbours that absolutely hated them. But John never gave up, and three years later he was finally on a boat, chock full of supplies for the settlers he missed so much. Three? You could have finished school in that. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. 
like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Time. I know, you could have done loads of stuff in that time. Set your GCSEs and finish college. Yeah, exactly. Look, when you were saying that he had to go back and he had to get the supplies and then turn around and head back, I was thinking... A matter of a couple of months. Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? But no, circumstantial evidence. The year is 1847 and John still hadn't made back to Roanoke. But when John got there, he was in for a surprise. He arrived at the settlement to find the houses completely dismantled. The boats gone and trunks of belongings completely empty. There was no sign of life, but equally unlike the skeleton left behind by the 15 men previously, there was no sign of death either no graves or bones. The whole group of over a 100 people had seemingly vanished. The only thing that John and his men could find was a single word carved into a tree, Croatoan. Aliens. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Can I make a theory? You can indeed. At this point in the story. Yep. Detective Cheryl. I think that these 100 people were run out of Roanoke. Mm Mm-hmm by the tribes surrounding because something must have happened. I think one of the women must have slept with one of the tribe and it caused war and conflict in amongst it. And in amongst that, it was like the compromise was either we kill you all or you all leave and find other land to start on. Well, you might not be far off. Spoiler, everybody. I've just cracked the case. (laughs) Not entirely, because as as I said before, we don't know entirely what happened, but that's a very good theory. But I'm going to put my most likely one out there as well, so we can compare and contrast. Oh, yes, I love a compare and contrast. <laughs> Pros and cons. Exactly. Croatoan. They went to the Croatoan Island. So John found the mysterious words Croatoan carved into the tree and then another carving of just C-R-O, so crow, into a fence post. Now, this might sound creepy until we realise that Croatoan was just the name of that nearby island where the Croatoan natives lived. Speaking of carving stuff into trees, the people were actually instructed to carve a Maltese cross into a nearby woodland if they were forced off the ground against their will. And John didn't find any Maltese crosses carved anywhere. So we can assume if they did leave, they didn't leave against their will. But if you're leaving in a hurry with people chasing you, you might not have time to stop and do a bit of woodwork. Wait, everybody stop. We need to put the cross. Yep. We need to put the cross. You wouldn't do that. You'd just be like, get that fire exit door. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to be hanging around, are you? You're going to be off. Do you remember in the Hunger Games when Katniss went back to visit District 12 after it got all burnt down. And they told the story how they had 12 minutes to get out of there and get as many people out of the district. Yeah. You would just go. Yeah. If you've got no choice, you're not... That's the last thing you're thinking about is going, oh, John, he hasn't been back for three bloody years. Yep. As far as they're concerned, he died on transit. Well, exactly. They haven't heard from him. He's not going to FaceTime them. No, exactly. 
yeah. Oh. And they didn't have any postal service or any way of getting letters back. So it's not happening, is it? You would just be like, all right, he's gone. Okay, fine, off we go. <laughs> yes, and they're not thinking about a stupid bloody cross on a tree. They're going, grab, grab your pitchfork, grab your knickers, off we go. Exactly. Now, the Croatoan people were literally the only tribe that the colonists didn't manage to piss off. They even made friends with a high-ranking member of the tribe called Manteo. In fact, he even sailed to England with John White after the first attempt to colonise the area under Ralph Lane. When the second settlers came to Roanoke, John made Manteo chief of the Croatoan people, because of course he can, he's a white man, and Manteo went back to live with his own people. John tried twice to get back to Croatoan, but was foiled by storms both times that threatened to wreck his ship. And in a cruel twist, by the time the weather was all right enough to sail, the owner of the boat wanted his ship back. And so John had to abandon his plans. I'm sorry, could I just, could I have my ship back now? Yeah. You've had it for three years. Yeah. I don't think it's working out for you. No. I've got to get to Lidl. <laughs> Sailing to Lidl in a pirate ship. Well, you might have a rosy boat. Imagine sailing down the canals of London in your Rosie and Jim boat, just going, just off to Lidl. Yeah. That seems a bit more believable than turning up in uh, with Jack Sparrow, though. <laughs> I, I wouldn't put it past sailing down the Thames. I've seen some interesting things in that river. Apparently, well, they're... not actually in the river. I dread to go below the oh, surface. Oh, God, I wouldn't. In fact, the word Croatoan that was marked in the tree does actually have some spooky connections. The writer Edgar Allan Poe you know, the one that wrote The Raven, disappeared for a while right before his mysterious death. He was later found on the streets of Baltimore, delirious and seemingly out of his mind. One of his last words, Croatoan. Oh, do, do, do. where are we going with this? Mm. And that's not the last time we would see this word crop up alongside weird deaths and disappearances. Missing pilot Amelia Earhart had written the word in her journal before her disappearance in 1937. Infamous robber Black Bart carved the word into the walls of his cell before he was released from prison in 1888, never to be seen again. Famous horror writer Ambrose Bierce disappeared the morning after sleeping in a bed with the word Croatoan carved into one of the bedposts. And perhaps most chillingly, in 1921, the ship of Carol A. Deering crashed into Cape Hatteras. Croatoan was etched into the last page of the logbook, and the entire crew from the ship was missing. So this word is looping back round with so many deaths and disappearances. Yeah, so after the 1500s or so, it suddenly starts cropping up again in the 1800s and beyond. Right. I believe that there is a potential for life after death. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm just throwing it out there. Conspiracy theory shares. I'm throwing it out there. I think that this word is something that comes to you just before something's about to happen to you, whether you pass or you're about to be taken somewhere. So I think there's something associated with this word that whether you hear it, you see it, or it just appears and then something happens to you. Yeah. And it's also, I think, to do with the tribe itself because obviously they're called Croatoan yeah. so it could be something to do with the spiritual side of things there so it's it's not necessarily to do with the actual tribe itself but maybe something that's spiritual that came from the name. I mean there's two things that I would 
love to experience. I would love to experience the sensation and feeling of being pregnant and having life growing inside of you, which is like such a weird thing to think about. Like, Yeah, is... I don't understand how human bodies work. We are strange and wonderful creatures. But I would also love to know what it's what what happens when you die mm. or in those last moments before you die. I know these people are going to think I'm fucking do lally, but <laughs> it's those things that, you know, when you can't sleep and you lie there and you, your mind goes tick tock, tick tock. Um, and you start thinking about things that you shouldn't be thinking about. Mm. I would love to know what it's like just before you die. Well, your brain releases a load of DMT, which is like, you can you can take DMT. I don't know how they harvest it. I think they must chemically make it. But your brain releases a load of it and it's like LSD. So it's like acid. So before you die, you have a little acid trip. Is it like moments or is it like... I think it's like it's released towards the end. So yeah, I would say probably however long it takes for your death throes, I guess. Wow. But yeah, so you have DMT naturally released into your bloodstream. Croatoan. <laughs> okay, so theory number two, cannibalism. Another popular theory is that the settlers at Roanoke became victims to cannibalism, either succumbing to eating each other to stay alive, Uruguayan rugby team style. <laughs> Seen that film? Alive? Um, no, I haven't, but I've heard of it. Yeah, maybe don't watch that when you're trying to enjoy a pizza. Or being picked off by the local tribes. There were never any bodies or mass graves found in the area, but this doesn't actually mean anything when it comes to cannibalism. It's entirely possible that the bones would have been ground up for medicine or other uses during that time. When food is scarce, you wouldn't waste a morsel. No. More interestingly and morbidly, in 1609, just a few decades after the disappearance of the Roanoke colony, the settlement of Jonestown succumbed to cannibalism after their supply boats were shipwrecked in Bermuda. At first they ate the dogs cats, horses and other animals in the settlement before turning on each other. It's not inconceivable that the Roanoke colony fell to the same fate. Yeah, that's that's a bit rough, isn't it? Like yeah. I would I would never like to be in a situation where your last resort is I'm going to eat Melissa from 43. Exactly. Like oh, let me let me find the, the the one that's the most meaty. Stick him on the barbie like a spit roast. My my initial jump on this situation was purely they've been chased out by the tribes that were it was their land. But now I'm like, do you know what? I think it could be because if you if you think they left with the promise of supplies six months tops, yeah. and it's been three years, and if there's not much wildlife and they've used all that up, of course you're going to turn to the next thing. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so the next theory, and this circles back nicely to what you were saying before about American Horror Story, and that's witches. Witchcraft is another popular theory used to explain the mysterious disappearance of over 100 men, women and children. Some say that the Croatoan people were not so friendly after all, and may have looked on the colonists as witches, executing them as soon as they reached Croatoan soil. Witchcraft! Witchcraft! <laughs> But the Croatoan and other Native American tribes tell tales about the legends of the witches that live in the North Carolina woods. The witches allegedly use black magic to commit evil acts and hurt other people, so it could be that the witches turned on the colonists. 
Take a sip from a secret potion. <laughs> I'll make you fall in love. <sighs> Don't come for me, people listening. I'm not sure how I sit on witchcraft. Yeah. I want to believe it, but I'm just not sure if I'm quite there with the the spells. I think it depends as well. Back in the 1500s, obviously, witchcraft was just part of spirituality. That was just how it was. So even um, during this time, uh, Elizabeth I had a magician as part of her court. So wizards and witches were just part of it. And people were deathly scared of this stuff and they, they believed it was real. So for them, they thought it was really real and they were still trying to do things like alchemy for example so turning metals into precious metals so like gold and silver mm. and all of that was just believed that that was something that could be achieved so for them back then this would have been a real possibility when you say magician i just think pick a card any card yeah i think of somebody in a waistcoat yeah. and like <laughs> I'm going to get myself out of this straitjacket in 60 seconds. Um, also, I've got a nice fun fact about Queen Elizabeth's court. Go for I it. just have to tell you because I think you're going to find this hilarious. <laughs> I can feel it in the waters already. So Queen Elizabeth I, um, she used to basically when, when she would meet new people, they would come in to her court and they would bow. And the lowest somebody could bow, the better. So that showed that you were really obedient to the Queen. So one Earl, so uh, Edward de Vere, the 17th Earl of Oxford, he came in and he bowed so low in front of the Queen that he let out the most almighty fart in front of her. (laughs) And he was so ashamed of this, he left the country for seven years. (laughs) She's dethroned, I could come back. Oh, oh, no, what's his name? So this is Edward de Vere. Edward yes. de Vere. Oh, bless you. Look, it, if I was going to do a bow, I'd try and touch my toes. Do you yeah. think I'd be like, Ooh. Yeah, so I think he obviously crouched down and then pooted. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and, and it gets better. So he disappeared off for seven years. <laughs> he comes back after seven years and happens to meet the Queen again. And her first words to him, my lord, I had forgotten the fart. (laughs) What a little legend. That is iconic. (laughs) So the next theory is the spirit of the Wendigo and the reptilian devil of the woods. And keeping on the spooky path, some Native Americans believe that the spirit of the Wendigo or the reptilian devil of the woods are to blame. The Wendigo is a wild spirit in the form of a rabid beast. It's said that when a human resorts to wild and inhuman behaviour, such as cannibalism, their bodies are taken over by a wendigo. According to this belief, they would have taken off into the woods and would remain forevermore as wild beasts roaming the earth. Another possibility is the reptilian devil of the woods. This was an evil spirit that could attach itself to people, making them violent, greedy and paranoid. The reptilian devil of the woods could have infiltrated the group, making them turn on each other and tear each other apart. But again, if this had happened, then where were the bodies? Where are the bodies? Give me the body. Exactly. There isn't any. This is the baffling bit. So like you said earlier about eating the bodies and then using the bones for other uses. Yeah. That would explain them going. Yeah. I just don't don't understand how 
the spirit could get rid of these people. One of the most conclusive pieces of evidence about what happened to the missing colonists comes in the form of a stone. In 1937, a tourist found a stone with an inscription upon it which dated back to 1591. It was called the Dare Stone, as according to some historians, it was written by Eleanor Dare, John's daughter. The stone said, Ananias Dare and Virginia went hence unto heaven, 1591. Any Englishman shoe John White Governor via. So it doesn't make any sense because it's all in old English. Right. The inscription explained that Eleanor's husband and daughter had died, and it asked the person discovering said stone to show Governor John White. The other side of the stone claimed that there were only seven settlers left alive and that Native Americans had killed the rest. It was signed E.W.D. Eleanor White Dare. On the back side of the stone, it reads, obviously, again, written in Oldie English, but here's the translation of it. Father, soon after you go for England, we came here. Only misery and war for two years. Above half dead these two years, more from sickness, being 24. A savage with a message of a ship came to us. Within a small space of time, they became frightened of revenge and ran all away. We believe it was not you. Soon after, the savages said spirits were angry. Suddenly, they murdered all save seven. My child and Ananias, too, were slain with much misery. Buried all near four miles east of this river upon a small hill. Names were written all there on a rock. Put this there also. If a savage shows this to you, we promised you would give them great plenty presents. E.W.D. We're coming full circle. I know, I know, I know. But wait, it might not all be as it seems. Oh, no. I thought we, I thought that was going to be like, well, I left this till last. Cause... I know, I know, I know. But mm. <laughs> you love to put the knife in, Nikki, yeah. and then twist it and pull it back out. Yeah. <laughs> After the first dare stone was uncovered, a further 47 were found and they told a complete story of the lost colony. They claimed that Eleanor had married the local chief, that she had had another daughter, and that they were all now safe living in the Chattahoochee Valley in Georgia. I know it! See, I told you, Detective Cheryl is never wrong. Hey, (laughs) I've got good intuition. So that's that then. Case closed, right? It's not going to be, is it? No. (laughs) The subsequent stones which were found were all exposed as fakes, as it was obvious they'd been produced using modern-day stone-cutting equipment. So it didn't take long for people to track down the culprit, Bill Eberhardt, the local stonecutter. But historians are still to this day arguing over the authenticity of the first stone found. Some say it would be impossible to recreate such a stone using the technology they had back in the 1930s, and others say it's an obvious fake. So the jury is still out on that one. I want to believe. I want to believe, but I also think it's very odd that 47 others were found. The probability of that not being real is quite high. I know, I know. And like I've said a lot on this party, you've got to take things with a pinch of salt. Because <laughs> because you you want to believe and you will trick your mind to believe. Mm-hmm. But unless there's concrete evidence, like, I'm sure if we pulled up the picky evidence, 
and put them side by side, one that was a fake and one that was believed was the OG original. Yeah. I think we'd be able to decipher which one. And also the stone itself is not held in an official museum either. It's held at a university or something like that. I can't remember quite where it's held, but it's not held in an official museum, which to me says that it's not real because otherwise it would be somewhere like the British Museum or something like that. Part of history. Yeah. So out of all those theories, what what's your money on? What one do you think is the most viable? Okay. Number one is there was war and conflict and they had to leave the area. Number two, I'm going with Eleanor merging the people and the tribes and then they just moving to somewhere else. Number three, cannibalism. Bodies gone, nowhere to be seen, no crosses. I'm going to go for number four with the Native Americans and the spirituality because that's a big part of them. So I can only imagine people infiltrating their area. They're going to bring the spirits out to protect them. Yeah. Finally, witches, souls. Yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> I think I think that's a valid ranking. Yeah, I think so. The top two are the most believable. Yeah. But I could also throw cannibalism in there because... Three years, John, what are you playing at? I know, exactly. You're going to get hungry during that time, aren't you? Yeah, famously. John White never recovered from the disappearance of his colony. He had lost not only his daughter and granddaughter, but he had failed in his mission to establish a foothold in the new world. He returned back to England, making a new life for himself in Plymouth, dividing his time between there and County Cork in Ireland. He continued to make maps for Sir Walter Raleigh, reflecting on the evils and unfortunate events that had left his settlement plans in ruins. He never gave up hope that his daughter and granddaughter were alive somewhere or other, but he died never getting to see them again. People have been searching for answers about the disappearance of the Roanoke colony for over 400 years. British colonists in the 17th and 18th century recorded meeting Native Americans on the east coast of America with grey eyes, which they thought had been handed down from white colonists, possibly those of Roanoke. Giving us yet another, and perhaps the most compelling theory, the colonists assimilated with the Native Americans. What did I say? What did I say? Exactly, exactly. French Huguenots noted a century later that several members of the Tuscarora tribe, a friendly native group just to the west of Roanoke, had blonde hair and blue eyes, pointing to the possibility that they could have some traces to English ancestry. Merging. Exactly. In 2005, Roberta Estes launched the Lost Colony of Roanoke DNA project using historical records, migration patterns, oral histories and DNA testing to try and find any evidence of descendants of the colonists. The testing is still ongoing. But in 2012, a new lead was found. Whilst examining a map that John had made, experts at the British Museum found hidden in invisible ink the outline of two forts, 50 miles west of Roanoke. A team of archaeologists went out to dig the site and found a few interesting things, namely the recurrence of a type of piping commonly used amongst colonists of that time. The author of the book The Lost Colony and Hatteras Island, Scott Dawson, maintains that all this evidence points to one group of colonists heading south to live with their native friends, whilst another group moved inward to explore possibilities there. Either way, he claimed that they thrived, ate well, had mixed families and endured for generations. And that was the mysterious vanishing of the Roanoke colony. I love that we finished on a bit of 
development. I love that we have discovered some more information. Do you know what I love more? Invisible Ink. <laughs> Look, I'm a fan of the history mysteries because it gets my little noggin going and it gets me thinking. And do you know what? I've got to trust my gut because I've been very good with these you theories have. from the jump of this podcast. Yep. So, uh, guys, do not quote me on this, but I just think you've got to trust your intuitions because I think I've got a very good judge of character and that's why. Exactly. I think you're probably on the money with this one, I reckon. Do you know what? I feel like I've learnt a lot today. Good. So we just have to say the knowledge out there on this topic is vast and much more than we can fit in one episode. So please check our sources if you want to find out more. (laughs) Yes, and if you have been affected by any of the themes in this episode, please have a look at the description for lots of helpful resources. Next time on Killers, Cults and Queens. We're taking a turn into true crime and taking a look at the Twilight Killers. I don't know why they're called the Twilight Killers, to be honest. Um, it's exactly the reason you would think. Get your glitter out then. All right, subscribe or follow to make sure that you never miss an episode of Killers, Cults and Queens. And if you have a case or a story you'd like us to explore, get in touch. Drop us a DM. See you next time and don't be a killer or join a cult. Just be a queen. See you later. Goodbye. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.